Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared creates collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Well, welcome to another edition of Face to Face. Uh, we are joined by a former guest. Uh, I think, in fact, uh, well, Nina Spencer's here today with us. Thanks for joining us, Nina. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I've interviewed too many people twice yet. Oh, well, then I'm honored. That's right. <laughs> yes. So much to talk about. Um, you've, since we last chatted, since we last posted, which, wow, it's probably, I don't know, year, year and a bit, um, you have climbed Kilimanjaro or had you already climbed? I had already climbed Kilimanjaro, but I climbed it again through the challenge and the task of writing the book right. about oh, it. Oh, very good. So yeah. it was like climbing it twice. Yeah, so so a time to creep, a time to soar. And I, I've heard the title before. Maybe that's just because of our uh, friendship and some of the things that we've talked about along the way. But I think at the time when, when we did do the interview, you had already 
the title in mind. You'd probably already started writing the book, I would imagine. Yes, yeah. yes. I started writing the book shortly after I returned. My summit day was January 26, 2011. Um, I came back from Africa on February 7th of 2011, and then shortly thereafter I started writing the book. So, you know, as is the case with most writers, it takes a few years. Yeah, sure. sure. You know, and that's, it's an improvement over my getting passion out of your profession book because right, that right. took five years to write. This one only three years. So with that of the arithmetic, I figure my next book will only take one year. Right. <laughs> Do, um, did you go uh, and climb Kilimanjaro with the idea that this was going to be this wonderful life lesson that I was going to be able to write a book out of uh, and have great stories to tell? Or did you do it because it's something you've always kind of wanted to do or, or maybe a bit of both? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, the bottom line of it is this. I didn't know that I would climb Kilimanjaro um, until I signed on. Pretty much that's the truth. The longer version of it is, and I'll do it in a nutshell for you. Um, in January of 2010, I got an email from uh, a fellow member of a club I belong to in downtown Toronto, Verity Club. And once a week, these emails come out. These, it was the Verity Buzz, the newsletter. And she was putting together a team of people to go and climb Kilimanjaro with um, an eye to um, raising funds to help build a women's leadership center for master studies on the campus of the Africa University, Africa hmm. International University. Who wants to go? So once a week from January to June, I deleted this. I thought it oh, wasn't that interesting. <laughs> Not interested. Delete, delete, delete. And then on one day in early June, uh, it came in my in bin again, right after I'd pulled away from my desk for a few minutes and had a bit of a teary eye because I was um, in a high state of grief over the loss of my dear friend of 30 years who had passed away from breast cancer. And my dog, uh, I'd never had a dog before, and he had uh, passed away just two weeks later. My daughter was leaving home and going to start her life, and I had this, this perfect storm of, of, of sense of loss. And so I had a weepy moment, the way sometimes women can. And then when I dried my eye, I swung around to my email once again, clicked on, you know, send me my new emails, and there it was again. And so I thought, I'm going to at least investigate this. You know that expression, uh, there's nothing so, um, I'm not saying it as eloquently, but there's nothing so poignant as, as an idea whose time has come, right? And, and yeah, timing was everything. The timing was everything. Yeah. I'd heard about this, I knew about it, and then all of a sudden it just rang true. I've got to make an inquiry. But that's all it was, was just So at this inquiry. point it wasn't, I'm going to climb No, and I had no, it wasn't it on was my just... bucket list, and it wasn't something I wanted to do. I'd never even camped in my own backyard <laughs> in the inner city of Toronto in July, never mind on the top of the fourth tallest mountain in the world and the tallest peak in Africa, uh, below zero temperatures, you know, like, you know. And, but I thought it was just an interview. I thought I would just go and ask some questions. But the minute I saw the woman who was putting it together, she had such an, an authentic, warm charisma. She had such a, a personal power, I believe, that you just, I thought, I took one look at her and I thought, holy mac, I'm going to go climb Kilimanjaro. Mm. Mm. But at that point I had only, uh, you know, maybe walked 
a mile ever. You know? right, I was right. the kind of person that took yeah, the car sure, to sure. the grocery store, which right. was three minutes away. Right, right. <laughs> but from that point on, as Forrest Gump said, you know, if I was going somewhere, yeah. I was walking. I wasn't running, but I was walking. So um, I started training seriously. And I took a, a lot of um, teasing and, and, and leg pulling. Oh, you are going to go and do this? Because right. I thought I was such a, a prissy girl or you know, high heels and, and quaffed girl. And I'm going to go and hike and not shower for nine days. Were you not even like a girl guide? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I you? was. I was a brownie, a girl guide. I was even a brownie leader. Wow. Um, so in a way, I... I, one of the first things I had to do in terms of overcoming barriers was to overcome the barriers of people's perception right. of, of um, what I look like, what, you know, you do this, they, it just seems so incongruent to so many people. But I think we're all very um, complex. We are all co very complex. Was the, uh, the group that you went with, were they sort of... Uh, did they all sort of fall into that same category, or were these were these? People? Some of them were bucket list people who okay. would always wanted yeah. to do it. Sure. Yeah. Um, at least some significant percent. I wouldn't say fifty percent, but maybe thirty, thirty-five, forty percent were quote unquote out of shape, right? Overweight or whatever it was, and they knew that it was a law of the harvest. You needed to be um, training. Uh, the minute you started commit committing, the minute you committed, you better start training. So I signed on in June of 2010 and we climbed in January of 2011. At the time I was 52, now I'm 53, I was 53 by the time I climbed. Um, it was uh, it was terrific on so many levels. I actually thought that the climbing experience would start when we got to the mountain when we signed in, when we actually started on, on the trek. The truth of it was, the experience of climbing Mount Kilimanjaro started when I signed that deposit check. Yeah, well, I believe, I mean, one of the first comments you've made today is that you climbed it again when you wrote the book. Yes. And uh, maybe that'll be our thread today, but just the, the, uh, the perpetual climb. Yes, and, and how different it is. Uh, with hindsight, even people who've climbed Kilimanjaro more than once will say that every time is a different experience. Right, you, d you never climb the same mountain twice or three times the same way. It will always be different. And by the way, the picture on the cover of my book, A Time to Creep, A Time to Soar, and the subtitle is Lessons Learned for Work and Life from Climbing Kilimanjaro. And the intent, of course, is to make sure that this the, the book is a... The story is is a metaphor. It's not just me recounting the story of the experience of training and climbing. I'm always hearkening it back to, and how does this pertain to the reader in their work life, in their organizational life, professionally, maybe in their personal life as well. And if you take a look at the picture on the front, um, this is not me um, on my way to going up. This is after I've mm. been. This is mm -hmm. this is day one of coming down. It's seven days up and two days down. But the reason why I like this picture so much is because um, there you can see myself in the foreground and the whole mountain in the background. Um, I was told by people that I interviewed beforehand and as I self-disclosed and shared so much information with people, 
uh, I ended up um, interviewing 14 people who had previously done the climb. Oh, okay, yeah. And one of the pieces of advice, and I ended up with 239 wonderful tidbit pieces of advice wow. from those people. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's it was great. I still neat. have the, the book. Yep. Um, tiny little clinical things that won't be in a book about it. You know, right, it's, right. you have to say what but happened had, to you. But clearly had an impact on the book you've written, had an impact yes. on your experience and yes. so on. And stuff you, that you could draw from for many years to come, I would imagine. Absolutely. Well, one of the pieces of advice was remember to look back. You were so busy looking up at it and you sum it, then you come down and turn around and look back mm -hmm. and see what you've done because the views on the way down as you turn around and uh, periodically look back are different yeah. than the views yeah. going up. Oh yeah, for sure. And so that's what this picture on the cover is. It's a view of looking back and seeing, wow we And yet walking forward. And yet walking forward. I, uh, occasionally we'll, we, we live in a, a kind of a, a narrow higher house and, and, and uh, every now and then I'll grab the paper or a book and I will sit the opposite way on our couch mm. and face kind of our kitchen. It's little bit open like environment mm -hmm. and wow what a and every time I'm not kidding Nina it sounds corny and cliche but every time it hits me it's like, it's like a different house it is a different house a different angle it actually a looks house. a little bigger than mm -hmm. I thought you know and isn't wow the hardwood really works from this angle the light I is never different. noticed I never yeah. noticed you know it's, it's just great. so trite and cliche but these kinds of things it's like it's almost like you have to remind yourself of that kind of thing every day I, mm -hmm. I, I do yoga once a week and on the drive there I think I'd rather be at home right now but mm. that drive home wow am I ever glad that I went mm -hmm. you know you just have to constantly mm. remind yourself that you're, it's not just about doing good, but this is about the work. Uh, anyway, I, uh, yeah, the, doesn't the Buddhist say put a smiling face on your ceiling so that the first thing you see when you wake up in the morning is oh, a smile? That uh, always or reminds me. Maybe, maybe some Buddhists say that. I shared sure. a bedroom with my sister. She was five years older than me, and she loved the Beatles. And when, when I, when <laughs> John, I, when, when I, when John I, Lennon was no, on her ceiling? No, I had Paul McCartney on my ceiling. <laughs> We had all the beals right on the ceiling. That's, That's what funny. we saw when we yes. woke up. <laughs> I wonder what the Dalai Lama would have to say about that. I don't that. know, but yeah. it was... Yeah. Um, well, that's good. I mean, I think this idea of looking back is huge, you know, uh, incrementally. I think it's huge. I mean, it's a, a comment on on, uh, on measurement. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, where from and to and where were we uh, two years ago and two, yeah. two days ago and so on. And it's, yeah. you know, so, so uh, often we get focused on the, um, the to-do list. Well, we just, this was we just this don't was have time definitely, to do anything else. That's so true. And talking about not having time, here's another metaphor I, I think that people can relate to as well. When you commit to a big project that has an end goal, it has an end date, a delivery date, if you will, uh, and you are seven months out, there is the law of the harvest. You do need to do the preparatory work because you can't get in shape in one week. You must do certain things at certain times. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for failure. And some people did fail because they did not take it seriously and they were pulled off the mountain after three days mm. um, because of uh, endurance issues uh, or even learning how to train yourself to deal with altitude. Sometimes the body will have its way no matter how much you train. There are some things that you can do though to maximally increase the probability of successfully dealing mm -hmm. with lack of um, oxygen because of high altitude. And some of that 
you won't get high altitude problems in Ontario. But just some of that law of the harvest stuff is training ahead of time. So the minute I said yes, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, I started walking absolutely everywhere. In the first week, I managed to log 19K of practice. Wow. By, the, by several weeks in, and for the rest of the seven months of training, I was doing 30 to 40K a week. I was going up to Algonquin Park every second weekend. And, you know, up until that point, in my mind, Algonquin Park was this this back of beyond hinterland mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was too far to go to yeah, sure. for yeah. just an up and down. Well, you know, most of the time, at least I slept overnight one, one night. But um, really from greater Toronto area, it's only two and a half hours. And you can get there two hours and 40 minutes maybe. It, and then you do the most serious trail, the hardest trail, takes about four to six hours to do. In the end, I was able to do it in four hours. Hmm. Uh, in the beginning, it was five and a half. Sure. Yep. Um, but doing that kind of practice, um, all those those steps that you need to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, incre the, the, the I mean, I'm just thinking of steps and baby steps and incrementalism and little mm -hmm. things. I mean, mm -hmm. four hours, how many steps is that? Mm -hmm. You know, you don't get there without one foot in front of the other. I mean, all That's these... Right these sort of trite cliches and so on. That's something I wouldn't mind asking you about. How do you, how do you not turn an experience like this into something cliche? You know, because there are so many potential lessons coming out of this. There are so Tons. many sort of phrases you could come up with, you know? Like, don't uh, don't forget to look back. I mean, it's a phrase. It's a well, cliche, sure. and it isn't a cliche yet. Well, you know what I, I guess mean? cliches come from truths in yeah, the beginning. They do. And it's such truths so. that yeah. are so universal and timeless and die hard that everyone's heard them. But, uh, you know, a flower is beautiful, and stopping to smell the flowers is a cliche as, as any. Uh, but yet, you know, on a day in late May, when you stick your nose in the middle of a bunch of lilacs, what a simple, beautiful pleasure. You yeah, know, it never. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess there are some quote unquote cliches about the mountain, um, but everyone's experience is, is, is different and unique, and any one person's experience could be different on a different day. Um, one of the. I don't know if you think of it as a cliche. It was it was new to me, and I, I don't. I guess I didn't make it up, but I don't think it's as cliche as some of them. Is that you can't see the mountain when you're on the mountain, and that's how I. That was one of the biggest lessons that mm -hmm. I learned, mm -hmm. and it's the truth. When you're on top of the mountain, the mountain, uh, the Kilimanjaro is nineteen thousand three hundred and forty-three feet, fifty-eight hundred and some odd meters. I I don't do well in meters. Uh, you know, I'm old enough that I prefer feet, um, but uh, 19,343 feet. Uh, but when you're on top of that, when you've done the seven days, when we did the seven days, or even I make it very personal, when, after I had done the seven days, and I'm standing at that Uru point, at Uru Peak, I can't see the mountain, yet I am on it. Mm -hmm. You have to almost get away from the mountain to see what you've done. And I think that that happens in personal life and in private life. Other people will say, I admire you. I don't know how you could do that. Wow, that is, an, that is such a hard thing you've done. Or I don't know how you manage. And you're thinking, well, you know, what's the big deal? Right. Because you were on the mountain. Right. So you just right. do what needs to be done. Sometimes we just do what needs to be done. And we don't think about it being so special, so challenging, so difficult, because we're just doing it. 
sometimes I think about kids who are in grade eight or even younger, grade six, being intimidated if they even start to think about university or even for that matter, high school. But when you're in grade eight, grade nine's just the next step. When you're in grade 12, post-secondary school of one sort or another, if you're so inclined, is just the next step. Right, right. Now, on the mountain, the guides and the, the uh, porters as well, because the guides are a different status than the porters, but they're all part of the team. 59 people took 14 people up that wow. mountain, right? Wow. Um, but they said to us so many times, and again, even this is cliche if we're going to keep on focusing on that, is um, poly poly, poly poly. That means slowly, 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 slowly. It's, it's, it's the journey of a thousand miles begins with a, you know, single step. Yeah, yeah. And that was the, the bold-faced truth of it. That was, Is, that was for you. It. Do you think for you? I want to. I want to talk about your support mechanisms that maybe you had when you were, you were, you were uh, training, uh, about the fifty-nine people that mm-hmm. took fourteen people up and mm-hmm. so on. I'd love to hear some more mm-hmm. about that. That the team around you, the community around you, the tools around you. Etc. And how how that plays out uh, day to day mm-hmm. in our, in our own lives, corporately and relationally, and so on. Um, but um, you know, let's go back to your you know the opening story about you know your the emails uh, that you were deleting. Oh yes, on a regular Everybody basis. Everybody loves that story. So clearly, right? you weren't interested in the first step. Well, I thought it was interesting, but you know, I didn't. Every I didn't, thousand mile journey starts with the first step. You, you didn't even get to the step. You just delete, delete. I could hear the, well, I could actually, hear the button. You know how <laughs> Thomas Edison said that uh, creating the light bulb was a 10,000 step procedure? Yes. And, and, yeah. Right? And, well, and that 999 of them were failures? Yeah. If I, if I, I've never thought about this until this very moment as I speak with you. But if I want to broaden my definition of where the journey began, the journey began... The whole of the journey began the very first day I opened the very first email in January and said, oh, isn't that nice? Not interested. Delete. So That's when the, when the seed the was planted, sort of. Truly, because up until that point, it wasn't part of my conscious awareness at all. I, I wasn't aware of it. I wasn't thinking about it. Kilimanjaro wasn't a word that I said every day. I didn't know how to spell it. Bless my heart. Bless, or I didn't even know where Tanzania was. I didn't yeah, know Kilimanjaro yeah. was in yeah. Tanzania. Why would I Why not know that, you know? But... Um, Your immediate thought was of an old Monty Python skit. Do you remember that? Uh, uh, there was this crazy old Monty Python skit where, where uh, I forget who, the, I think it was John Cleese and Eric Idle, and they're going to go build a bridge between the two peaks of Kilimanjaro. Oh, yes. And the whole skit is the one guy who's leading oh, the expedition. Oh, I the leading, <laughs> leading the expedition, convincing the other guy, no, no, there is only one peak. Well, there are, <laughs> actually, that's not true. There oh. are two peaks. Mo- Moenzi Peak is yeah. un- un- Could you um, build a bridge scalable. between them? No. <laughs> I don't think so. That's, well, I mean, yeah. if they can build a bridge from from Nova Scotia to PEI, I true. suppose, yes, they, they can. They probably but... can. Somebody probably could engineer it, yeah. <laughs> But Mowenzi is unscalable. Oh, I see. It's, okay. You can't yeah. do yeah. Mowenzi yeah. Peak. Yeah. Right? Well, it's interesting. Up until recently, Kilimanjaro, I would have thought, was pretty unscalable as well. I mean, and yet I found that uh, uh, Everest, in a way, is an easier mountain to climb, is it not? Um, in some uh, regards, but in, it's just yeah. the conditions, it's the temperature, it's some of the Precisely. things. Precisely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Kilimanjaro, the, the trouble that, that some people get into, and the month before we left, Martina Navratilova and a bunch of her team climbed for the cause that they were climbing for, whatever yes. that was. Yeah. And we all paid 
a lot of interest to what happened huh. for her. And of course we were rooting for her. We had 30 days to go. I didn't want to hear a bad news story. I wanted to hear a good news story. I have you know, a friend who just got back uh, from Everest. Yes. They didn't go all the way up. But yes. They got, and days before were the, the team that were lost. The, yeah, yeah, you know, you don't want to know that. Yeah. So yeah. you almost want to put yourself in a bubble and not listen. But Martina was pulled off the mountain by day three. Huh. The trouble is, if if you research her climbing experience, there, you will come across um, interviews and articles where she said that she had kind of hoped that it wouldn't have been such a big public spectacle because she was afraid to fail because it would be yeah, on the world stage, yeah, famous course. person yeah, and so yeah, on. Yeah. Um, so, so there was that aspect. But she said that she was confident that she was in good shape and she was quoted as saying, after all, it is just a basic hike. <laughs> That's right. That's you know, first right. of all, famous last words. And secondly, too many people, in my opinion, have thought of Kilimanjaro as just a basic hike. And it's not just a yeah, basic yeah, hike. Yeah, because sure. you are dealing with the elements. It's certainly trekkable. It's not mountaineering. It's trekking. Uh, it's long-term trekking. Uh, that doesn't mean, and I think that this happens with projects in the workplace as well. Oh, for sure it does. You know, yeah. we can think that this project is a piece of cake and be yeah. very cavalier about it. Yeah. Yeah. Only to end up having a lot of regret that we didn't take these, well, these I, easy parts more think, seriously. You know, so I don't want to ignore the question I want to ask you about support mechanisms and so on. And I do think I want to get back to the deleted emails. But, I mean, to me, the mountain, uh, you know, working in the field that I'm in, it's all about results, supposedly. It's all about impact and long-term efficacy and so on. And what what's the return on investment? So if we're going to give you $100,000 to do a... Um, a agricultural sustainability project in Laos. Tell me what you're going to do with that. Give me some immediate, you know. But I think there's something really troubling about that presupposition, and that is that long-term change can occur in six or 12 months. So yeah. if we were to see this development uh, issue or initiatives that we're involved in as mountainous, mm -hmm. not that they can't be scaled or mm -hmm. that they can't be tracked or mm -hmm. that they can't be walked, but what are all those other things that go into play? You know. So if we accepted that metaphor, Maybe we'd be in a bit of a better place. I mean, I, I think donors and uh, uh, corporations, frankly, have um, are working from a lot of uh, shoddy, shoddy assumptions. Mm -hmm. Do you, would you say that's fair? Oh, I think that's fair, and and even n never mind whole corporations and so on. Teams within those corporations, right? Just bring it down to a more micro level instead of the macro level. Um, so tell me. Tell me a little bit about your um, the team you had around you. Maybe not you know, talk about the team that you took up the mountain, but about your family, friends, those that supported you along the way, encouraged you. Well, I'm very lucky to have a husband who cheerleads anything I do. You know, there there are spouses out there who would say, "Don't do it! Oh my God, what do you tell you? Crazy!" But I always, my husband is always the kind that whatever, whatever I say I'm up to, it's go Nina, go Nina, go. Um, so I think you asked way earlier, did I do this with the intent of writing a book and then developing it into my next conference keynote? And the answer is no. You know, for me, it was intuitive. It was, I was feeling stuck. I was feeling glum. I was feeling the acute um, pain of, of loss of loved ones and transition in my life and so on and and for me it was it was about that and then it was afterwards as I settled into the realization that I was doing it that I was going to do it that I started to realize yeah I could write about this 
maybe this would make a great keynote topic. Maybe people would be very interested. And especially if I can keep bringing, gleaning lessons from the mountain and bringing it groundedly into the workplace. So that, that was secondary. That wasn't my, my, my primary or, or my first intent. Um, but my, my husband, um, my daughter, very supportive, very, they believed I could do it. I had some people in my professional circle and some friends who said things like, is this, is this a bucket list thing for you? Is this something, a bucket list? Why, why if if it's a bucket that? list, then I can get behind it for you. But if not, why do you want to do this, Nina? People die on that mountain mm -hmm. every year. Why do you want to do it? So there was that. Um, I started taking better care of my feet, not just in that girly way of getting a pedicure in the summer, but, you know, a person who's going to climb, a regular hiker already knows this, you need to take, you have to have regular foot care. Um, nails and so on. Hmm. People actually lose their toenails. I know it sounds kind of gross to say, but they do lose their toenails coming down the mountain. And they'll take six months to grow back because of the pounding, because right. of the angle yeah. and the pounding. You need to, to be mindful of your foot care and nail care and so on. So when I started doing the hiking, um, I was very focused on all kinds of things. Proper gear, learning how to breathe, proper boots, foot care, the works. If I'm going to do something, David, I take it seriously. Yeah, take it right? seriously, that's, do that's it well, commit to it. it, right? Precisely. I mean, go big or go home and all sure, that kind of stuff. Sure. So um, I was getting a pedicure at one of the resorts near Algonquin Park that I was staying over the night before and then going 40 minutes into the park after that. And the woman who was doing my my toenails was It sounds so funny, crying. getting a pedicure before, yeah, before I, I go <laughs> Kilimanjaro. Yeah. <laughs> no, this wasn't before Killy. This was during the practice, during yeah. Algonquin Park days. Drinking some ginger tea, That's perhaps. right, right? Yeah. So don't you just love that juxtaposition? <laughs> Pretty funny. But she was saying, I, I happened to mention it, and she's saying, well, my aunt did it last year, and I'm just telling you, no matter how much you train, it won't be enough. And she kept saying Whoa. this. Wow. It won't Real be naysayer. enough. It won't be enough. Yeah. Meantime, I'd only signed on about three weeks beforehand. It was all rather new, and a little buyer's remorse can so easily mm -hmm. seep into one's thinking. Um, and she just kept on harping on this one chord. It won't be enough. It won't be enough. And I was intimidated. Hmm. But then about 12 hours later, I thought, how does she know how hard I'm going to train? No matter how hard you train, it won't be enough. How does she know? So in, in a way, that, that negativity, although it wasn't part of my family cycle or family support system, gave me a good butt kick. Mm. It made me make sure that whatever I did do would be enough. Right. And then the, left would, the rest would just be up to the fates. Right. But right. I did not get to that foot of that mountain without knowing that I hadn't done everything I could to prepare for it. I made sure that it was enough. Right. Now the rest right. was up to me to just implement what I had learned from all my training. Sure. Stay focused, not think too far ahead. I know, it gets back to the cliches, but all you really have to do, you can get all the way up to the top of Kilimanjaro, provided that you've done the training and worked on your mindset and everything else, you can get to the top of Kilimanjaro just by in music, we call it staccato, right? Staccato is pop, 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 sure. with, yep. with separations in between. Yep. Yep. Just take the next step, and then that next step becomes your starting point for the next step, right. and that's right. all you have to do. For the most part, we went the whole way up the mountain, no faster than a wedding march. Hmm. 
poly 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 the right, whole way. Right, right. So consistency um, was key. I can't believe all the possibility for lessons. You know, the things. You know, the 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 metaphors and the symbols. You know, I mean, it's I, as you say, I haven't read your book yet, but but uh, just what a rich experience for for everything else. Well, and the other the other thing that here's something else that happened another place that I practiced closer to home than Algonquin Park, different parts of the Bruce Trail, which is fabulous. The Bruce Trail, you know, it's it's a long trail. It sure. takes about a month to go from end to end. But you know, you drive to a certain part and you do a four hour hike, whatever. Um, I would go to Rattlesnake Point, which mm -hmm. isn't too far from my home, just an hour away, and that was by comparison to. Algonquin, a much easier hike, but it still racked up the K. I would still do 15K walk uh, from Rattlestake to Crawford Lake and back and maybe around in some of the other trails as well. Um, I met a man in the parking lot and as a sidebar, let me tell you, if ever you are, whoever's listening to this, if you're not a hiker and you want to meet people, maybe instead of eHarmony or something like right, that, right. not that I'm on the market, but um, I met so many wonderful, hmm. really, really nice people, quality hmm. people hiking from all around the world. It always was such a hoot to meet people from Bavaria, right? you know, from the Bavarian Alps doing Algonquin. But um, I'm, I'm way off track because what I wanted to share with you about this parking lot experience I had at Rattlesnake, a man who had done all of these different peaks around the world including the whole of the Appalachian Trail, the Camino, he'd done Machu Picchu, done Everest Base Camp. And when I told him that I'd never done any climbing before, that I was starting with Kilimanjaro, he said to me, you're starting with Kilimanjaro? That's like doing a PhD without high school. And he meant it as a compliment. Um, so I, I'm not sharing it with you negatively, yet another person might have said that very same right. sentence and meant it negatively, but he didn't. Uh, but I guess the point is this for me, if you decide that you can do something, well, you know, if, if you can or you can't do something, what Henry Ford said it, I think Eleanor Roosevelt might have quoted it as well, whether you, whether you can, or, uh, can or can't do something, you're right. Right? I'm not saying it quite right, but in, in other words, you make up your own mind, sure. right? Yeah. So I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to be able to do this if I practiced and everything else. So I just did it. And it didn't occur to me that I couldn't do it. Again, one of my favorite movies, Forrest Gump. Right? So many of those stories those sure. in, the, in, the, in the film Forrest Gump are about him doing almost the impossible because yeah. he didn't know that yeah. he wasn't smart enough or physically fit enough or whatever to do it. Right. So he, he just did it. wasn't limited. Yeah, sense, and yeah. that's that's yeah. about it. In no, a I think it's a great it's a great it's a great lesson on perspective, and it's kind of that sitting on the couch looking at the the house from a different point of view, or it's the coming down instead of the going up and looking behind, and all of that. Yeah. So often we just just chunk it down, chunk it down, yeah, yeah, and it's the same yeah. with projects. We know this with project management when they do the fishbone charts and everything else. Um, chunk it down. If if you have to get to this almost impossible goal. And you're you're way down here, and the goal is way up here. Well, you know, really, all you have to do is is what are these first steps, these intermediate sure, steps, and the rest sure. will take care yeah, of itself. Yeah, like sure. the kid in grade six who ends up going to university or college, whatever, right? Just just take the next step. Do you think um, what's what was the? I don't know if this is a, a good question or not, but th tell me about the thread 
that runs through the experience. So maybe the training you did even before the deleted emails started, or even I know, before I know you what were, the thread you know, is. Oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I know, yeah, good, that was, excellent. you know, like, I got it. Oh, teacher, teacher, <laughs> <laughs> let me answer this one for you. I can do this. That's that's the thread. Right. And I realized... Yeah, but I get that sense that's, that's you, probably. Well, right? I realized that my parents set me up for that. Good. Yeah. I did. I realized that. And I guess I always knew it, but this opportunity helped me to realize that my parents' default position was always yes rather than no. Mm. Mommy, can I do this? Daddy, can I do that? They always found a way to say yes rather than no, and that was a parental style, a mothering style that I um, emulated. You know, unless there was a really honest to goodness reason why to say no, I didn't want my default style of parenting to be no, no, no. Right? And some parents are like that. Oh, no is totally. always it's, the first word out of their mouth. No is always the first word, or, right? or because I said so, yeah. is the other classic, which I have to say so far after eight years, I haven't said once. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's coming. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes it is because you said so, and sometimes it really has to be no. Yeah. Uh, but just as long as it's not your knee jerk, automatic answer can I sleep over at a friend's house? No. You know, like, well, if, if it's no, well, why not? Yeah, and let's like, work it let's, out. Let's, let's work try out. To why work am out. I really saying no? Maybe there's a real good reason. You don't like their family. You, you don't trust their whatever. Um, but not just because. Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the biggest things that I got out of, out of Kilimanjaro, if it's at all credible to do, you, you, you can't jump off the CN Tower without a parachute and live, you know. But if it's at all credible and reasonable to do, if it's a SMART goal, to use that mm -hmm. acronym. This, Which the, I think is brilliant, Specific, by the way. Uh, yeah, measurable, measurable, achievable, yeah. Yeah, realistic, timely. If it's <clears throat> an S-M-A-R-T goal, then you can do this. You just have to decide, are you willing to put in the time, the money, the perseverance, the patience, um, the commitment, the discipline, all of those words, but they, they are all required. All of those, those behaviors and attitudes are required. So uh, I want to ask you when, uh, about creeping. Um, your book's uh, titled A Time to Creep, A Time to Soar. A Time to Soar is in bigger font that's than A, a Time Helen, to Creep. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. and that's a Helen Keller quote. And I, I've used that um, to start my book. Um, I'm just see if I can find it myself. I should know it off the top of my head. One can never consent to creep when one feels an impulse to soar. And although I've opened up with that quote, mm -hmm. and then I go to refute it, because y you do have to be content to creep when it's time to creep. Mm -hmm. That's the preparatory work. That's the preparation work. So is that, the, is that the perspiration? Is yeah, creeping the perspiration? Well, there's perspiration in the soaring part too. But yeah, yeah. actually, when you're on top, you can just open up your arms and it'll all melt away. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but sure, um, the, the creeping time is longer than the soaring time, but the soaring time perhaps will be more memorable. It's almost like a woman in labor and then she has her right. babe in arms afterwards, right? Right, right, right. Um, now, does creeping for you refer to, um, is it just a physical distinction or is it also, is it also kind of an emotional, uh, an emotional distinction as well? It's the creep and crawl. It's, it's, it, sure, it's the emotional evolution as well and the creep and crawl, the slowly, 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 slowly. Um, but definitely what, what, what needs to happen first, uh, it, you know what, another, another metaphor is you, know, you have to walk before you can run. Yeah, sure. Yep. And you have to creep before you can soar. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, that's yeah. a good analogy. Uh, and, and 
I don't know how, what percentage of people, I actually heard about this, where a, a woman did not know she was going to climb Kilimanjaro and her husband thought that he would surprise her, packed her bags and everything, did everything for her, and then when they got to Africa, he said, we're going to climb Kilimanjaro. <laughs> <laughs> right? And Sounds I'm thinking, but that's not setting her up for success. And I don't know if she did succeed or not, but if she did, I guarantee you that her experience was much more arduous than it would have otherwise been. Right. 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 If if she had psychologically prepared, physiologically pre- prepared, physically prepared, um, including hypoxic training, which I took a week beforehand with a, an Olympic um, style coach, hmm. learning how to exercise while oxygen is being taken yeah, away yeah, from you. Yeah. And are um, you? Would you say you're a better person because of the experience? Yeah. Yeah. There isn't a day that goes by now, David, and I, I know that I was a confident person beforehand, but there, day, there isn't a day that goes by, not a day, and I'm getting over, it's over three years now, where I don't remember yeah. what I did. Yeah. yeah, I bet. I bet. I, I, uh, I, I was in uh, Kenya, Eldoret, small town in 89 for four weeks, and that's kind of, kind of the same thing for me. There's mm-hmm. not a day that goes by where I don't... There's not an, another experience that's kind of connected to it in some way mm-hmm. that reminds me of it, or it's you know that, that's a that's definitely a thread for me. That's for sure. I was. Um, Looks like you're looking for a quote. Yeah, I was. Something I was going looking. on in Toronto too, apparently. Yeah. I'm not quite sure. Right <laughs> out the window there. Yeah. They're not. I, I'm going to have to paraphrase it because I can't remember it word for word. But the quote was, um, you know, you go up the mountain, you're on the mountain. You can't stay on top of the mountain. That's right. that's not where life is. Sure. Yeah. Um, but but the value of having gone up there is now. Let me dial it back. When you've not gone up the mountain and you look up the mountain, you don't know what's up there. And then you go up the mountain, you see what's up there, but you can't stay up there, then you come back. But the difference now is this. You know what it was to be there. And even though you don't live up there and you might not think about it moment by moment, you walk around with that in your heart. You know what it was to be up there. And that changes the way you deal with so many things, any kinds of... um, Barriers, things with which you know mm-hmm, that you have mm-hmm, to overcome, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, I'm not thinking of the right word isn't coming to mind, but you know what I well, and also at. I do, and also and great experiences as well, right? From the other side, great books that you might read, great films that you know you you enjoy the experience, you know, you, well, mountaintop experience, you know, it's Precisely. an epiphany, right? That's Precisely. why we have them, or why they're there, and why the world has provided, the cosmos has provided them for us. But you can't stay with a great book, and you're not going to feel the same way. But you're now a different person, and hopefully we trust that you indwell some of the particulars that come out of that book and some of the experiences and the stories. And and I think what's so cool about this kind of thing is I bet you there's all kinds of stuff that's going to bubble to the surface for you in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Sure, it'll keep happening. Holy cow, look at that, you know? And and you can't have a rich life and not have it kind of, oh, wow, sorry for the sort of free market analogy, but, you know, pay dividends down the road, right? The financial analogy, but it's, uh, yeah, no, I think it's great. Well, listen, um, uh, lunch has literally arrived, so uh, <laughs> let's enjoy that, and thank you for joining us today, Nina. Time to Creep, uh, Time to Soar. It's available on Nina's website, I'm imagining, and yes. probably other places too, but yes. uh, ninaspencer.com, that's N-I-N-A-S-P-E-N-C-E-R.com. Uh, had a great time chatting with you today, and Thank we'll you. Uh, we'll talk again about Kilimanjaro because we oh, barely. Yes. I want to hear more about the um, the pedicure. I think. <laughs>
I've, it's I've really was, important. I've, foot health. You know, any podiatrist will tell you so, but <laughs> foot health is really important. I've, if you're going I've, to be a serious hiker, you know, you better cut those toes. <laughs> wow, talk about a metaphor, right? The sole, the foot, the foundation. And, oh, you're you absolutely know, you right. I've never pair, thought of you that. You buy a crummy pair of shoes, and you know Everything. within minutes. You know within minutes, right? Yeah. You're done. You're, you're, you're only as good as your equipment, yeah. right? You can, you may be better, but you can only be as good in your performance as your equipment, right? Lessons learned for work and life from climbing Kilimanjaro. That's the subtitle of Nina's new book, ninaspencer.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Thanks, David. <laughs>